Christmas. And uh, how many know that Christmas time is a very stressful time of the year? And it's in Hezekiah 3, 4 that it should be thus. It's not really. But how come it is? How many know that Christmas is supposed to be a joyful, peaceful, happy time, and yet so often it's not? And so this morning and over uh, the next few weeks, we, what we want to do is we want to look at the Scripture to see what God has to say to us through the Christmas story. And rather than just uh, sort of go over the Christmas story that you all know so well, um, I want us to sort of dig in, and maybe a good metaphor is unwrap the present, and see what's in there for you and for me. To look at how the characters that we all know so well in the Christmas story, how it applies to us and what God has to say to us through that. Uh, so the next few weeks we're talking about the gift of Christmas. Um, I read an interesting little um, snippet here about uh, about a, a woman who la- waited to the last minute to send out Christmas cards. Anybody do that? Nobody here? Does anybody send Christmas cards anymore? I, we used to have them strung up on our house all over the place. Uh, but I guess that's when postage was a nickel, something like that. And now what is it, 55 cents? Uh, emails will have to do, I guess. Um, but here's this woman. She's still stuck on sending out Christmas cards. And there's 49 people on her list that needed a Christmas card. And so in, in the hustle and bustle of life, she dashed into the store and, and noticed on the shelf a box of Christmas cards and and in that box of Christmas cards, there was actually 50 cards. She thought, great, I just have to buy one box, and I'm, I'm set. She rushed home, got those 49 of the 50 cards out, quickly signed her name to them, put them in the envelope, signed, put the address on there, the return address, stamped all the stamps and stuck them in the mailbox, and away they went. And finally, Christmas Day arrived. And, of course, Christmas Day, you can't do anything but just sit and eat turkey. So she's relaxing and she sees uh, that, that 50th card that she didn't send out. So I'll just take a look at that and see what I actually sent to everybody. <laughs> and she opened up the Christmas card and inside it said, This card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. <laughs> she, she suddenly realized that 49 people will be expecting Christmas presents from her. <laughs> all because of the stress of the year. And apparently even um, even reindeer get stressed out at Christmas time and uh, kind of lose it a little bit. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. Maybe you're ready to do that to some of your family members. I don't know. Ready to let them have it. So Christmas is, uh, is uh, not always a great time. But I would suggest to you that what we need to do is we need to go back to the Scriptures and find out what the Bible actually says about Christmas and uh, rediscover the joy and the peace and the happiness that's supposed to be ours as Christians, or at least as those who understand what the Christmas message is all about. I would suggest to you this morning that the Christmas story, in a nutshell, begins with someone listening. It begins with someone listening. There would actually be no Christmas story if someone wasn't listening. In fact, all of the elements of the Christmas story begins with listening. Now, how many know it's a hard thing to do, to listen? Anybody knows that? Anybody, do you know that? My kids always, um, Sarah is coming to me and she says, Dad, I'm going to tell you something. I'm okay, sure. And I'm on my computer. And she says, okay, listen, Dad. I am listening. 
No, you're not, Dad. Grabs me by the chin and jerks it over so that my eyes are in her eyes. And she says, now you're listening. (laughs) I mean, sometimes God's got to do that to get our attention. Listening means that you're actually paying attention and you're actually hearing what the other party is saying. And so we begin this Christmas um, story, the Christmas narrative, with um, Zechariah, who is, shows up for work one day, and he just happens to be a priest, shows up for, for work one day, he's in the temple, and suddenly uh, there appears an angel, the angel Gabriel. And says, Zechariah, your wife's going to have a baby. And Zechariah says, well, it's impossible. She's too old for that. Notice he doesn't say, I'm too old for that. The angel says, yeah, you're going to have a baby. Your wife's going to have a baby, and um, and it's going to be John the Baptist. Now, if you know the scripture, you know that the prophecy is that there's going to be a forerunner. Someone's going to come before the Messiah, before the Christ. And Zechariah, you've been nominated to be the father of that one who's going to come before the Christ. Zechariah is all ears. In fact, the Bible says that the angel shuts up his mouth so he can't speak. He can't say a word. He's got to listen. And then you read along in in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel appears to Joseph and and says, Joseph, um, Mary, the one you're intended to marry is going to have a baby. And this happens in a dream. And, and Joseph listens. Now, of course, you say, well, of course, he's listening. He's sleepy. He can't do anything but listen. But I want you to know something. When he wakes up, he acts on what he's heard. So that's listening. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you who are highly favored of the Lord. And the Bible records Mary's responses. She's troubled by this. When God comes along and says, you who are favored of the Lord... Uh, you know something's up. And Mary's been chosen by God to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Mary's listening. The shepherds are out in the fields tending the flocks. And suddenly the angel appears again. And the angel says, I've got good news for you. This day a Savior is to be born in the city of David, in Bethlehem. And the Bible says that the shepherds listened to what the angel had to say. These are all the characters in the Christmas story that we all know so so well. Maybe you, as a child, you were in a Christmas pageant. You were, you were one of the shepherds, or you were one of the wise men, or... You were Mary or Joseph or, I don't know, but you, you maybe you're one of the sheep. The story, the Christmas story, is all about people listening to God. The Magi, they, were, they knew nothing about, or not very much about the God of Israel. But they did know about the stars and the planets, and because that was their specialty, that was the way that God actually met them and spoke to them. And so God appears to them through a star, the star of Bethlehem. And these magi, who I'll tell you a little bit more about in just a moment, recognize 
that this star is a star that represents a great king that is born. And they respond. They listen to God. Now, in this case, it wasn't an audible voice. It was a sign that they listened to. And we find them coming to Bethlehem and paying homage to King, who is actually a child, baby Jesus. I want you to know something this morning. God is still in the business of speaking. In fact, God wants to speak to you every single day. The problem is, is that we have a hard time listening. We have a hard time listening to each other, let alone God. And my Bible tells me that my God has promised never to leave me nor forsake me. He's with me at all times. Don't you think it's rude if God is at your side that you don't pay attention to him? Yet he wants to speak to you. He's got something to say to you. Well, what, what does he want to say? Well, let me share with you because a Christmas story beautifully, beautifully displays and demonstrates what it is that God wants to say to you and to me on a regular basis. And the first thing that God wants to say is that he's got some good news for you and for me. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and say this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, maybe this morning you're here and you say, well, Pastor, I could sure use some good news. If you could see what my life has been like this week, oh, it's been terrible. In fact, this week I wonder if God even cares about me. Maybe this, this week you've been feeling lonely, you've been feeling discouraged, you've got family problems, you've got uh, work problems, financial problems, and you could just use some good news right about now. Well, guess what? These shepherds really were the ones that would know best how you feel if you're having a difficult time. The shepherds were considered the very lowest of the low in Israeli society. And the main reason is because they were taking care of sheep. Now, when I was, uh, when I was living in Greece, I used to, I, my house was situated right near a, a pasture which um, the local shepherd used to go by, uh, used to go by my house every day to, to, to go to that pasture. And I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's amazing how stinky and how smelly sheep are. You could hear them coming, but you could also smell them coming. Now, what do you think you'd smell like if you were a shepherd taking care of sheep? You would smell like, you would smell like, or what comes out of them. <laughs> and that's what they say. It's awful smell. So here are these lonely shepherds, the bottom of the bottom in Israeli society. Nobody, nobody would associate with them. And the religious people, man, they look down on them because man, they, they, were, they could never be ceremonially clean. They could not follow the religious rituals, which which meant that they would have to wash themselves at certain times of the day and, and, and on and on. And so they just gave up on God. They thought, there's no point. I can't, can't please God, can't please society, can't please the religious people. There's no point even trying anymore. These people were depressed. They were lonely. They were rejected. And then they needed some good news. Now, isn't it interesting? When you know the, when you know the, the nature and the personality of God, isn't it interesting that the one, the ones that Get the good news are the ones who are the very lowest of the low. 
I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart today. Because if you're going through a difficult time, and if you're feeling like the lowest of the low, and you, your health is not good, and you're, you're emotionally you're not good, I want you to know something. You're the one that you're the one that God really wants to speak to. You're the one that God really wants to give news to, good good news to. You're the one that God really wants to minister to, and wants to embrace and care for and love. But what you got to do is you got to do what the shepherds did. You've got to listen. Your heart's got to be open to what God wants to say to you. This last Monday night, the 55 Plus hosted a banquet. And we call it 55 Plus because it's run by people who are over 55. But what Stan and Lil have done is they have opened up uh, a place, a safe and welcoming place for people that have no place to go, people that don't maybe feel connected to anybody or anything. And I, I was in, I was invited to attend the banquet. I was glad to do that. I was sitting there at, um, at a back table. I found a table of people I didn't know so I could get to know them a little bit. And the dinner wasn't ready yet. And so Stan said, well, I know what we'll do. We'll send around the microphone to everybody. And we'll let everybody introduce themselves. And I thought, oh, no. Stan, this is going to go on forever. Little did I know what was to come. One by one, each person took the microphone. People, a number of them I didn't know. Some I've seen roam in the streets. They began to pour out their life story. I'm going to tell you, you've never heard such sad stories. You've never heard such pain, such grief. But here's the amazing thing, folks, is these people shared how broken they were, they, they, would, they would go on to say, and we're so thankful for this church where we feel loved, where we feel accepted, where we feel safe. We're so thankful that, it's, that a, the table has been set for us to come and to eat. I'm deeply moved. I, I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being part of this, this ministry of good news to broken people. And I want you to know something today. If you've got a broken heart today, then you've got a special place in God's heart. And you're the one that God wants to minister and wants to love and wants to encourage. What you have to do, though, is you've got to come to him and listen to him. Now, I, I, I open my Bible up all, every week, all through the week, preparing sermons so that I can have something to share with you. And I hope that once in a while a message will sink in and will touch your heart. I hope that. I pray for that. But I understand that, my friends, that God wants to use me to speak to you, but God also wants to speak to me. He's got something to say to me. So I open my Bible up for Alan Duncalf only once, once, once a day. I open the Bible up to prepare sermons for you, but I also open the Bible up to, to prepare a sermon for me so God could speak to my heart. And I was... Uh, I'm, I'm just like you. I have difficult days. Anybody here ever have a difficult day? Anybody not have a difficult day? Everybody, Anybody here never, ever, ever, ever have a problem? If, if you're like that, then you need to come up here and preach the sermon this morning. But if, if you're like me and you have a difficult day once in a while then you got to do what I do. I get my Bible out. I find a quiet corner, a quiet place 
where I know that I can not be, will not be interrupted, where I know that God will be able to speak to my heart. Sometimes I go to Brookside Cemetery. How many know that cemeteries are quiet places? <laughs> and if they're not, you better get out of there quick. <laughs> I sometimes go there. Sometimes I'll, I'll go hide out at McDonald's. Sometimes I'll go to Wendy's or Tim Hortons. I'll just go to a quiet corner where nobody will interrupt me. And I'll take my Bible out and I'll say, Lord, please speak to me through your word. And uh, yesterday, everybody was out of the house. I was able to open my Bible up and I was reading in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus talks about the banquet that will take place in the kingdom of God. And someone says, blessed is the one who will be able to feast in the kingdom of God. And suddenly I got a glimpse of heaven and I realized that that this life and this world with all its problems are soon going to pass away. And I found myself choked up and saying, thank you, Jesus. And I'm telling you, my friends, I'm experiencing good news because I've opened my Bible up and I've gotten quiet in the presence of God and the Spirit is speaking to my heart. I want you to know something. This is for everybody and you can have this every single day of your life. If only you will come to him. And be quiet and listen to what he says in his word. And the spirit of God will touch your heart. Wow. I'm thinking, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm getting ready to go to a better place. This world is not my home. And I'm, I'm, I'm writing down in my journal. I'm thanking the Lord and praising God for this good news. He said, Pastor, didn't you know you were going to go to heaven someday? Yes, I did. But I need to be reminded of that. And so do you. And you know what? The Bible is full of good news for anybody who will take the time to open it up on a regular basis to read it. Now, I'm telling you stuff you already know, but here's the thing. I know that many of you didn't crack your Bible open this week. And you wonder why you're all stressed out and why you're all burnt out and why you're all upset and why you're angry and why you haven't got control of your life. It's because you're not giving God a chance to speak into your heart. God will speak to you if you'll listen. And one of the things he wants to do is give you good news. The other thing God wants to do is he wants to give you guidance in your life. How many need guidance in their life? I need guidance in my life. Whenever I'm not sure what to do or how to handle a situation, I go to the scripture. Well, this is what the Magi, the Magi, in case you don't know who they are, I mean, sometimes we call them the wise men. Sometimes we call them the three kings. How many remember we three kings of Orient are? You know that one? I'm not going to sing it for you. That would just be torture for you. Uh, the three wise men bring the gifts and they come and visit Jesus. They give Jesus the gifts. Who are these guys anyway? Well, very simply, they were... Uh, uh, they were a caste of, of, of priests in the in the religion called Zoroastrianism, and uh, their job was uh, to be scientists. Scientists. Their job was to read the stars. Their job was to to uh, give wisdom and guidance to to kings. They were considered princes, and that's why we that's why we we, we call them kings sometimes because they were they, they were the very highest of the highest in society if the shepherds were the lowest of the lowest then the magi were the highest of the highest in their land the land of persia and how many know today that whether you're low class or high class whether you you're poor or rich you need god just the same and so here are these magi hungry for god god lead me guide me show me I need help in this life. I can't make it on my own. 
We call them wise men because they realized their need of guidance. And how many of us today are trying to get through this life on our own, in our own wisdom, in our own spunk, in our own energy? How many of us are trying to get through this life and trying to do it all our own? We need to, we need to learn something from these pagan magi who, when they saw that star in the sky, they saw that sign, they recognized that God was speaking to them and they went to the star because there where the star was, they would find baby Jesus. And I want you to know something today, my friends. Jesus is the one that you need to go to if you need guidance for your life. You don't know what to do with your life. You don't know how to handle what you're going through right now. You don't know how to handle the stress, the, the struggles, the problems. The Word of God will tell you what to do. And the Bible will tell you how to do it. But you just got to pick it up and read it. You say, well, I don't know what to read in there, Pastor. Well, start with the words of Jesus. Have you ever seen the, the Bibles with the, all the words of Jesus in red? Read those words. And you will find your heart inspired, encouraged, empowered in ways that you couldn't imagine. But I want you to know that God still wants to speak to you and lead you and guide you. What will I do for the rest of my life? What job will I take? What will I do with my kids? My kids are, I don't know what to do with them. I, I, what, my health, I don't know what to Turn to God and God will give you the guidance that you need. You see, Pastor, it sounds awfully simplistic. Well, I'm not telling, I'm not, I'm just not speaking to you theoretically, my friends. I'm speaking to you from my personal experience. A daily turning to Jesus for guidance for this life. And God will guide you if only you will listen. The Magi said, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You know what? <laughs> There's so many ways that God God's trying to speak to you and trying to get your attention. And you know it. Next time he's putting his finger on your shoulder, would you stop what you're doing and listen to what he has to say? When I was doing the building program, I got a real wake-up call. And I, I, I considered God speaking to me. And, and, and what happened was, uh, I was I was working 12, 16-hour days, like almost for a year, and one day I came home and Nicholas was upset. And I, you, some of you remember me, remember me selling, telling you this. I was ups, I, Nicholas was upset and he was uptight and anxious about something. Something that he should never have been anxious about as a child. He was a, just a wee kid then. And he, he shouldn't have been worried about these things. And I said, I came up to him and I said, Nicholas, why are you worried? I'm here. I'm your, do, do, do you know who I am? He goes, yeah, you're Pastor Allen. <laughs> Said, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm Pastor Allen, but I'm your dad. And it's my job to take care of you. After I put him to bed, I thought, God, you're speaking to my heart. You're, 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 you're telling me something. I need to slow down. I need to take time out. Not just for my kids, but for God. How many know that God doesn't refer to me as Pastor Allen? <laughs> I'm his son. And just as you need God's guidance in your life, God guides me the same way. But you've got to listen to him. There's one other thing I want to tell you about. If you listen to God, God will reveal to you his great purpose for your life. I don't know if you realize it, but absolutely every person here today has a purpose for his life or her life. 
God has something for you to do. You are extremely valuable to God. And God is calling you to show up for duty. To do the thing that just only you can do. And so what we read here is, is the angel appears to Mary, and Mary listens to the angel. She didn't say, I'm not listening. I'm not, I don't want to be part of this. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm not listening. She listens to the angel. And listen, listen, listen to her response. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. What was Mary's great purpose? She was going to become the mother of the Savior of the world. She was going to become the answer to the prophecy. She would become the the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah that was uttered 740 years before. She would be the fulfillment of that prophecy. And she's saying, okay, that's my great purpose in life. I'm, I'm showing up for duty. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care about the humiliation. I don't care what anybody says about me. I'm ready to do what God wants me to do. And there's a problem here. Like, Mary, can you just imagine Mary saying, God, you've got a problem. I'm, I'm engaged to get married. What are you going to do about Joseph? And God's saying, that's my problem. Have you noticed how we, when we're faced with what God wants us to do, right away we try to start playing God and try to sort out all the problems. And God's saying, I'm only asking you to obey. You let me take care of the other details. Let me take care of the other details. I have a plan for your life, and I'm going to take care of the other details. And Joseph as far as Mary was concerned, was the other detail. The angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, you're going to take Mary. She's going to become your wife. And you know what what his response is? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, I, I want to point something out to you real quickly. Every one of us recognizes that we all have certain basic needs. We, to, to survive, to exist on this planet, we need shelter. And if you live in the south, well, I mean, you can sleep under a tree, I guess. So the basics was, I gotta have food, I gotta have water, and uh, I gotta have air. Those are the basics. If you have that, you can exist. But how many know that God did not create us just to exist? You were not created just to, to, Eat, sleep, drink, go to bed, wake up and do the same thing every day. You were created with a great purpose. I was reading uh, an article by Manfred Max Neef, who's an economist, a sociologist. Uh, he's got his finger in it. He's a brilliant man. And he came up with a list of seven needs of every human, aside from the basic needs of survival. But guess what? When you boil it all down, you can boil it up in one word. One word. Is that men, kind, men and women need to have a purpose in life. And without a purpose, they lose a reason to live. You've heard me talk about my grandfather and how the last years of my grandmother's life, she developed dementia and was confused much of the time, and my grandfather was there waiting on her, waiting on her, waiting on her. And then when she was about 89 years old, I think it was, she finally passed away. And my grandfather, just a matter of a few months later, and he passed away too. 
See, his reason, his purpose for living was to take care of his wife, his beloved wife, because she couldn't take care of herself. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning. Because the thing that's going to drive you forward and make you great and make your life great and give you joy about getting up in the morning is that you have a great purpose. A purpose that's far greater than you. A purpose that is given to you by God. I read a statistic that said that that married men live longer than bachelors. Married men live longer than men that are not married. So if there's any bachelors here today, if you want to live 10 years younger, go get a wife. <laughs> now, interestingly, the same statistic does not... Uh, does not apply to women. For some reason, women don't necessarily live longer if they're married. In fact, it seems that they live longer if they're not married. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know what God has to say about all that, but let me say this. Let me say this. You were created for a purpose, and your job is to listen to what God has to say to you because the temptation is for you to get ahead of God and do whatever you want to do. You have a purpose. And the question is today, what does God want you to do? Joseph and Mary were enlisted by God to serve him in a very powerful way, to be the parents of the Savior of the world. And they said, Lord, here am I, use me. Do you know that your purpose, my friends, is always tied up in serving God? When you serve God, that's when your purpose is fulfilled in your life. One of my greatest joys, let me just share this, one of my greatest joys is, uh, as a pastor, as someone in the ministry, is that, We've been in a position where we've been able to, to bless and help others. I love the fact that we have this building and that we can, we can give Verna and Helen the tools that they need to, to host caring and sharing. What a joy, delight to see Ron and, and James and, uh, and, I don't, and Hank sometimes is there helping and caring for people in our community who, who just need a little bit of a help and a little bit of a hand up in life. Man, that's, that's fantastic that we can do that. It's a delight and a thrill to me that we can have kids come in from our community and take part in our kids club where they can learn about God because we are living in a generation that knows nothing about God. That's a delight and a thrill to me. It's a delight and a thrill to me that a few years ago, when I asked this congregation to join me in raising $8,000 to build the classroom for little Zambian orphans whose parents died of AIDS, this congregation said, yes, pastor, we'll join with you, we'll partner with you. And we didn't just raise $8,000, we raised $12,000, so we were able to build a classroom and a half. And we got so excited about that. The next year I said, man, we can do better than that. We can build an orphanage. And everybody said, are you out of your mind, pastor? And I said, yes. <laughs> and they said, how much is it going to cost? I said, it's only going to be $30,000. And they said, uh, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> and we did it. We raised $30,000 and we built an orphanage. And there's an orphanage in Zambia right now that has had a number of kids, dozens of kids go through it because this congregation said, we've got a great purpose in life and we want to do what God's called us to do. And then the year after that, I thought, man, what, we, we could do some more great things for God. And I phoned Sergio in Zambia and I said, Sergio, what's next? And he said, well, these kids that... We're in, in your orphanage, and they named the orphanage after us. 
So these kids that were in your orphanage are growing up and they need a place to go. I said, well, what do you, what do you recommend? And he said, they need a, they need a youth home. I said, how much, how much is that going to cost, Sergio? He said, only $25,000. I said, 20, only 25,000? Well, we raised 30,000 last year. This is no sweat. And I came back to the congregation, to the board. I said, we're going to, and everybody, you're out of your mind. We can't do it two years in a row. And guess what? We did. And last year we, we had some young people that we wanted to send out to the mission field. Wendy came to me and she said, you know, pastor, I feel really moved. I want to go to, I want to go to China. And I, I don't know if Wendy remembers this, but I, uh, I, I, I want to go too. <laughs> it's been a dream. I, I, Hudson, anybody read about Hudson Taylor, the great missionary that went to China? I wanted to go there because I'd read about all these missionaries who went out with the good news. But it wasn't my place to go this time. It was Wendy's turn and she went. And she reported back. And we sent out Felicia to Zambia. And we sent it, was it 16, 17, 18? How many youth went to Mexico? 18 off to Mexico. And how many, how many came to Christ because of that group that went? Was it, how many went? 60 something people come to Christ because of that team that went over to Mexico. My friends, you were built with a purpose, a great purpose. And if you want to have joy and happiness and excitement and desire and thrill in this life, then you've got to listen to what God's saying to you because God's got a plan for your life. This is the story of Christmas. Good news. Great guidance. And a great purpose. If you'll listen. And if you'll listen, God's got something for you to do. On Saturday, or Friday night, Alec and I were sitting right here, Alec Kippolito and I were talking about what we're going to do in February 2009. And I said to the, Alec, Alec, I need you to, to, when you're in the Philippines, to scout out a project for us to take on. She suggested maybe a well, I thought maybe, uh, maybe a school, maybe an orphanage, uh, I don't know. But folks, we want to do it again. I'm going to ask you, are you going to, are you going to get on board for the, for the great purpose that God has for your life to use you? Because someday when we, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a cross church corner where we're going to be celebrating all the lives that have been touched and transformed because we responded, because we listened to God and listened to what God wanted us to do. And we're going to see people who, who are in heaven because we responded to God's call. Because we were willing to give, willing to share, willing to make a donation. You know what Mary's response was when God called her to do this work? Listen, she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord. She's making a tremendous sacrifice, people. And her response is, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Did you hear that? The mighty one has done great things for me. The greatest thing that God can do for you, my friends, 
is not to give you whatever you want. Remember, God is not a Santa Claus checking his list to see if you've been naughty or nice. The greatest thing God can do for you is not to give you whatever you want. The greatest thing that God can do for you is to give you a purpose and give you something to do that's great. And always, always, it's all about loving and caring for others. That's the greatest thing of all, if you'll listen. And I'm, my job as a pastor is to do whatever I can to help you find a place where you can do great things for God. That's my job as a pastor. And I try to provide as many opportunities as possible, opportunities as possible for you to do just that thing. So that you can glorify the Lord too. I want to share a little video that we shared on Friday. And uh, I hope this video will encourage you to show up for duty in serving the King of Kings. I hope that you'll be challenged the realization that uh, we're living in a land of plenty. And it's not an accident. God's put you here for a reason. And he wants to glorify his name through your life. Let's watch that video.